You're listening to a Trav Market Media Network podcast, a podcast designed for you, the travel professional. Is there something you would like to hear or do you have feedback? Please write to us at podcast at travmarketmedia.com. Again, that's podcast with an S at travmarketmedia.com. Hi, it's Megan, host of Travel Radio Podcast, a proud member of the Trav Market Media Podcast Network. Would you take a moment now to like, subscribe, and review the podcast? You can also reach me at info at travelradiopodcast.com, or you could reach the network at travmarketmedia.com. Travel professional or aspiring professional traveler, I'm so thankful you tuned in. Now, let's dig into where our ears will travel today. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and today for the first time, I am pleased to welcome Britton Frost to the podcast. Britton, would you take a minute to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And thank you so much for having me, by the way, Megan. Um, my name is Britton Frost. I have two websites, Avid Cruiser and River Cruise Advisor. Avid Cruiser focuses mainly on ocean cruising and River Cruise Advisor on river cruising, of course. The goal of these sites is to help travel agents and travelers make informed decisions about their cruises um, through price comparisons, through uh, comparisons of amenities, and then also taking a look at what's happening in the industry through our blog posts and uh, cruise news and that sort. Yeah, and let I, us not forget that you are also the host of one of our Trav Market Media network yes. of podcasts, podcasts. So let's talk about yes. that. My podcast is called Avid Travel with Britton Frost, and that is a cruise-specific podcast. So we talk about things like, what are water levels? Do I need to worry about water levels? If you're not familiar with river cruising, mm-hmm. you might not even know what a water level is. What, what is, is included important. in my, what is included in my river cruise fare? Um, overviews of different cruise companies. And so that is it aims to be your one-stop shop for any questions that you might have about, about cruising ocean and river alike. Yeah. And I, you know, I've, I have not done a river cruise, but I've done a lot of ocean cruises and I'm still learning a ton. So especially if you're a new travel professional, this would be a great jumping off point for you to get familiar about these things without having to attend, you know, have your butt in a zoom call. You could, you could be out walking your dog or cooking and be kind of picking up some of this information in a, in a less formalized way. And Britain's voice is so pleasing to listen to. You'll, you'll love it. It's going to be great. And it's very easy to contact me as well. So if you're listening to those episodes and any questions arise, as Megan said, you're not in a Zoom call, but you can feel free to, to email me or even pick up the phone and call me with any questions that you have. Okay. That's a great offer. So let's tell people then, um, what email address or, you know, I'll just put it all in the show notes, but if you want to yes. give it off now, you can, if you, you want your show notes. It's Britain, not like the country, B-R-I-T-T-O-N dot frost, like Jack Frost, at gmail.com. Perfect. Okay, great. All right, everybody. That's a good offer. You should take her up on it. Okay, now, the reason I wanted to, you know, have this custom discuss on the topic of adventure cruising, which, by the way, today's topic is adventure cruising, is twofold. And firstly, that's because our listeners are both travel agents and travelers, and I know that um, there are some truly mind-blowing experiences that can happen via cruising, but maybe we don't realize that because there are a lot of people that are like, I would never cruise. But some of these things you can't even get to unless you're on a boat. So I want to talk that. 
And then secondly, I've had wonderful experiences on board cruise ships and I want to throw the industry some love because it's been, you know, it's been shut down as you know. I mean, and we're starting to see some like action, we're starting to do some tests and I just want to give them some love. So any thoughts or commentary on either of those things quick? Yeah, well, we'll talk quickly about, uh, I agree with what you say. There is, there are so many good experience experiences to be had cruising. And as you mentioned, there are places that you cannot get without being on a ship. Um, so those are both important. I think that most of the people who say I would never cruise obviously have never cruised. Um, so they don't know what it's like. The thing about cruising is that we often think of these huge ships with tons of people where you're sailing with thousands of people. And that's just not the case. There are so many different types of cruises. And I truly think that there is a cruise for every single person out there. It is such a customizable experience. And we will they talk have about personalities, that. right? The cruise lines have personalities. And so Absolutely. for your style, there is a cruise line designed with you in mind. Absolutely. And, we'll, and I'll talk a little bit more about that later when we get into um, our, our topic about how customizable that experience can be. And then, you know, as you mentioned, the industry is going through a tough time right now. I think it is important for us to talk about cruising. And, you know, the CDC has just lifted its, at the beginning of November, cruise lines were able to start cruising again. Now, what does that mean? They have to do simulated voyages. They have to do all of these things to prove that they are fit to cruise again. And most cruise lines have canceled through the end of December. But during the summer, we saw a return to river cruising in Europe, and it was very successful. And a lot of small ships started cruising mm -hmm. in the summer as well. And then into late summer, you have cruise lines like Costa and MSC who, mm -hmm. who have returned to cruising in Italy. And, you know, very, very few outbreaks on board. So there is a way for cruising to return and for cruising to return safely. And so it is important that we start talking about this and gearing up because when cruising comes back and when it comes back in the United States, especially people are eager to get on board. They're going to be ready. And the cruise lines are absolutely ready to have people back on. Awesome. All right. Well then let's dive right into adventure cruising. I don't know if this is truly a category of sailing, but it's what I'm interested in at the moment. So I am kind of interviewing you selfishly. Because, um, you know, that's what I want to do. It's what I want to take my family on. So, of course, you know, um, willingness to travel, willingness to go outside and have an adventure is all 100% user defined. But, you know, for you, as someone who has cruised a lot, what is the most adventurous cruise that you've ever been on? Well, I'll answer that question, but first I want to say that adventure cruising is absolutely a category of sailing, but there is a difference between adventure cruising and expedition cruising. And we, mm -hmm. again, we'll get into that later, um, but it's important to to talk about the differences in those two things. But I will tell you about the most adventurous cruise that I've been on, and it is not an expedition, Ooh, and it okay. is not what you would think about. Um, when you're thinking about that, for me, an adventure cruise, something that's really pushing me outside of my comfort zone is a small ship. I get very, very seasick. And so oh. my father and I, <laughs> yeah, I know. Great job for me. Um, the thing is on rivers, when you're on small boats, obviously there's not much motion on a river, so you sure. can't really get seasick there. And then when you're on these large ships, I mean, sure, I'll get a little bit seasick, but when I'm on a ship with a 1,000, 2,000 passengers, up to 4,500 passengers, you know, yeah. there is not much movement. But no. my father and I decided 
um, on my 18th birthday, he took me to Sweden because he was living there at the time. And we crossed Sweden on a canal called the Jota Canal from Stockholm to Gothenburg. And the reason that this was the most adventurous cruise, although it was just on this little canal, mm. was because the ship was so small. The stateroom was so small that my father and I, there were bunk beds. We could <laughs> not stand in the room at the same time. The only time that we could be in the room together was when we were both lying down. Our oh luggage gosh. was stored somewhere else on the ship. The bathrooms were outside. And this was in the summer, August, in Sweden. But that summer happened to be the coldest summer. And so oh, days was were like lucky. 40 and 50 degrees in August. Oh, and wow. so we would have to go out of our stateroom walk to the bathroom, take a shower, walk back into the stateroom wet. Uh, there were hardly any lounges on board. So the only place to really sit and look around was the top deck of the ship in the open air. And oh my goodness. I remember on the first day of the cruise, um, our cruise director said, so I want to warn you all that there are some parts of the canal that are one meter deep. And the draft oh of the gosh. ship is one and a half meters. The woman raises her hand and she says, well, then won't we scrape the bottom? And he says, oh, yes, many times. Oh, my gosh. And so we actually did end up getting stuck in the canal <laughs> and had to call in people to pump water into the canal. So did they make said, you get off? No, we stayed on board. We sat in the, I think we were having dinner at the time, actually. And I had a picture. I posted a picture on Instagram because there was this beautiful little house, I guess. It looked almost like a gazebo, mm. but it was, it was actually really, it was one of my favorite trips of all time. And Ralph, my father and I talk about it really, really often because we had such a good time, but we went out onto the sea for one point and I had to take medicine mm. because I got so sick. And for me, that was definitely outside of my comfort zone. I am used to cruising with butlers and with people waiting on me hand and foot in large suites. And so that probably was the biggest, uh, the most stark contrast to any cruise experience that I had had before. I'm glad to hear that you took this, you know, not your typical, not typical for you level cruise, because I do see you cruising in style. And yeah. I'm glad that you, I mean, I think some of our best travel stories are the misadventures. And mm -hmm. I mean, it's, and as long as you have the attitude where like you just kind of roll with it. And I like to say in our family adventures, if it doesn't kill you, it's funny. And we can talk about it later. Like, absolutely. <laughs> and so we have one of those. That's good. Now, um, on that juicy note, let's take a quick break. And we're back. Thanks so much for waiting for a second. So what are some other itineraries that might surprise listeners or travel professionals that you could take as an adventurous option for cruising? Okay, so I'm going to take this moment now to talk about the difference between what you're calling an adventure cruise and an expedition cruise. Great. So on an expedition cruise, you have an expedition staff. So you're going to have people who are giving lectures on board. Maybe they're uh, scientists of some sort. So you have people who know about certain wildlife and about certain ecosystems. And you have this this staff on board who is really going to enhance that expedition experience by giving you those insights when you're watching wildlife, when you're 
when you're going to Antarctica on an expedition. And then you also have these Zodiacs and you're doing Zodiac landings. So Zodiacs are smaller boats that you're going to take from your ship and sail in and do a, a Zodiac landing. So when you go to Antarctica, you're going to you're going to dock and then you're going to get on this Zodiac and then you're going to go to the glacier that you're going to or go to whatever land you're going to. Mm -hmm. And those two components are really what makes a a trip an expedition cruise. And they will be marketed as such. Now, I know that we're going to talk about Alaska. When we talk about Alaska, there are Alaska options that are expeditions of that sort, but then there are also Alaska cruises that are just – you're going on a regular cruise, you're doing some shore excursions, but you don't have that expedition element. So, Which for families is probably a fantastic choice. Absolutely. I mean, I think that both are good choices. I know Mm -hmm. that my brother and my father, when my brother was 16, did a Greenland expedition, and then he did an expedition in Russia's Far East. And the other day we were sitting at a brewery for my dad's birthday. And my brother said that those were the two highlights of his life. And I think it's important for me to mention too, that my father and I work together. So when I'm talking about all these cruises that we're doing together, they are almost always work related. Um, but you know, he did those expeditions as a child, as a teenager, and, and he had a great time. Now I wouldn't say that you were going to want to take a five and six year old on an expedition cruise, but an older teenager, yes. Perfect. Um, but th- those expeditions go everywhere. I mean, I think that we often think of the poles when we think of expedition. We think of the Arctic. We think of Antarctica. And then sometimes we do think about Alaska as an expedition destination. But we recently had Silver Sea on a webinar, and they have an expedition in Papua New Guinea. They have expedition cruises you know, all over the world. And as I said, it's just about that expedition component. And so you can go on an expedition in the Caribbean. Yeah. And then I think the thing to keep in mind also is expedition is this component and it's not necessarily forfeiting, you know, excellent dining options and service. Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, you have actually most of the expedition cruises are going to be the most expensive cruises um, where you're looking at Silver Sea and Seabourne, where you mm-hmm. have butlers on board and you have this, I mean, these luxury cruise options and that have these expedition components. You have Hurdy Gruten and Lindblad, which Lindblad's Alaska expedition itinerary starts at like $17,000 a person. And so you're definitely not forfeiting that. You you think of expedition as being rugged often, I think. And, and really, it's almost quite the opposite, where you're really being hyper taken care of. That sounds fantastic. Now, Absolutely. can you fill in this thought experiment? Um, and you know, maybe adventure cruising is not necessarily the itinerary. Maybe it's a theme. So mm-hmm. what about this thought experiment? I can't believe you can blank on a cruise ship. Take a helicopter or a submarine. Oh, have you done these things? I have not, but Viking has just announced their expedition ships, and they actually will be doing expeditions in the Great Lakes. Oh, wow. Um, These expedition ships will sail Antarctica, and then they'll come up and they'll do the Great Lakes. Viking has also introduced Mississippi cruises, um, so I think that's important to mention because they kind of unveiled all of those things at the same time. But they have uh, 
a yellow submarine on board and those sub the, those submersiles are you know they they launch from the ship and then you can go underwater mm-hmm. as a shore excursion and then some of these expedition ships the scenic eclipse has a helicopter on board there are plenty and these helicopters are purpose built so that they're quiet okay so that they aren't disturbing the wildlife but you can take helicopters from the ship as well and most of the expedition ships do have helicopter pads on them so that you can do those um from the ship so that's incredible yeah so i'm going to go a little gimmicky on mine sure uh, <laughs> and you i'm sorry i'm sure you saw this a couple of years ago but i was thinking adventurous by theme because some mm. people might want to stay with their traditional, you know, ocean uh, vessel. Yeah. Do you remember the, um, there was a Walking Dead cruise. I think Norway, Norwegian did it. Uh-huh. Do you remember this? Yes. And they like painted the ship to look like it had been adrift and there was mm-hmm. like zombies and people did like this Walking Dead themed like scare fest mm-hmm. for a week. Yeah. That's insane to me. Yeah, <laughs> like people would do that on a cruise ship, but just to get people thinking about the sense that you know it's not it's not just necessarily you know the traditional cruise. There are loads of things and loads of themes and concerts and things that you can do, you know, in a more adventurous sense, or absolutely, or that you could spice up a traditional itinerary by the things that are happening on the ship on the sea days, for sure. And then I have one more, which is um, pole dancing at sea. You yeah. laugh, but it's true, and they sell out. Um, I, I interview these folks. They do an Australian itinerary for the Aussie pole dancing, and they have the U.S. pole dancing at sea. And they they wheel these poles on, which is a whole thing in itself. Mm-hmm. And then they, you know, you have competitions and lessons. But these guys are serious athletes. But mm-hmm. and or you can just learn. You can do the beginner track. So you know it may not be the itinerary, but it could spice up a tr- traditional itinerary. So look for those things. If you know someone that has an interest, but they might not be interested in you know the idea of sailing, but they're interested in travel plus one of these, you know maybe affinity type situations. Um, Absolutely. Anyway, there are some unique just- things. Yeah, and just to add on to that, I mean, Virgin has just launched this ship, and they actually launched this year, so haven't been able to sail. But Ooh, there's a tattoo we should go together. Oh yeah, tattoo parlor. Get a tattoo at sea. Uh, you buy Uniworld. It's a river cruise product, but they do. A, they actually do a tattoo themed cruise where they have tattoo artists on board, and they do a tattoo. Uh, crawl at night, like a bar crawl, but tattoo oh themed. And they have drag themed <laughs> cruises. So they have drag queens come on board. They had some drag queens from RuPaul's Drag Race on. And I so remember that. Yeah. So there are just so, oh, well, and they did, they did do a RuPaul's Drag Race cruise on a, on an ocean cruise as well. But yeah, I think that with those theme cruises, it's important to look at those as well is that you can always add these components, whether or not it's an active component or something else. You can always, add certain components that gets back into what we were talking about before about cruising being so customizable and being you mm. so personal. Yeah. And if it doesn't exist, create it, create or it, create it. Ship. Yeah. That's, you know, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I was going with the affinity theme, but Hey, there are, Hey, there are some cruise ships for sale right now. So if you had the money, you go for it and then you call us. We'll put you on the air. There you go. <laughs> yep. And, and we'll, we'll come on board. We'll do a live podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring everybody. 11 podcasters will go to town. It's great. <laughs> Only if it's pole dance theme. 
You first. <laughs> I don't have to have her body strength, but I would try. No, I definitely don't. All right. Well, on that note, let's go to the next question. <laughs> Is there anything you've been dying to try but haven't been able to do yet, aside from pole dancing? I mean, back to virgin voyages. I really <laughs> would like to get a tattoo on board a ship. I'm heavily tattooed. And so for me, I think that that is just kind of one of those bucket list things for me. Um, mm. yes, I, but, but on a serious note, I really, well, that was serious, but mm. on a more serious note, I really would like to go to Antarctica. Mm. My father has now been to Antarctica three times and I do dread crossing the Drake passage. I have heard bad stories about mm-hmm. how it, it can be, especially for someone who does get seasick. You have waves coming up to really, you know, fifth decks of the ship. I mean, yeah. it, it can get really rough, but I think that that is just such a once in a lifetime experience. Mm. And it's something that I would really only want to do by ship. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I I didn't realize that the Drake Passage was like that, but I've done the Queen Mary Transatlantic Crossing, which we'll talk about at another time. And mm-hmm. and we were there in, in a very stormy August, end of August, and it was fourth fourth story waves, and that was on an ocean liner that's so super heavy. And, and but because it you know because it was the ocean liner, you could see the waves hitting, you could barely feel it. It was incredible. Yep. The only reason we knew that it was happening was because, well, that you could feel it was that there was a footy missing from my stool. And so as the waves took us, you know, we rocked the other direction, my, my stool go chink, chink. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was, you know, it, they, they had that covered, but, um, sorry, let me ask you this. Do you have a list of tattoos that you're just like, this is on my, you know, these are the things that oh, I want. Absolutely. It's okay. a document in my phone. <laughs> I cross them off as I get them. Okay, great. All right. Well, that's a, that's a cool goal going forward. So Richard Branson, I'm talking to you. That's right. Richard Branson, I'm sure you will hear this. Yep. We want to come and get tattooed. (laughs) That's right. So, um, let's do, um, you know, let's talk about, uh, easily or more easily accessible options to people who think, Cruising really only happens in the Caribbean or the most cruises happen in the Caribbean. And that, that might be true. Um, but you know, in along the lines of adventure cruising, Alaska is pretty accessible for us citizens. So can we talk about, you know, just the idea of Alaska as a cruise alternative and, mm-hmm. um, you know, who sails to Alaska and is there a way to bracket the itineraries? Because they all have just a little bit different itineraries. And is there really a difference? Yeah, I mean, so again, we can look at those in terms simply of expedition and uh, classic sailings, or mm-hmm. as you're calling them, an adventure cruise. So that's a way to segment them automatically. Um, but you're right. Alaska is so much more accessible than going to Antarctica to say a little bit for an example, or, you know, even to Europe though, it's like, if you wanted to do a Baltic cruise, not that it's going to be the same experience, but you're going to get some of the similar landscapes and the colder weather. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, there, there is absolutely a difference between these itineraries though. There's a difference between I, I think that the differences on itineraries almost always come down to the cruise lines. Now, of course, every cruise line is going to do things differently, but it's important to look at the cost, first of all, because these itineraries 
really range in cost. Sure. I mean, as I mentioned, that Lindblad expedition is a 13-day Bering Sea wilderness itinerary. 13 days, it starts at $17,340 a person. A person. Yeah. You That's not the average cruiser's cruise. cruise. No, you have a carnival cruise seven-day itinerary from Alaska to Vancouver that starts at $519. So yeah. it's important, you know, that these things come at such a different price point. Now, I would say that most of these classic sailings, you're usually looking at between three, between $1,500 and $3,000 a person, I would say. Yeah, and I would honestly say if it's less than that, you should be suspicious. Like, (laughs) it depends on duration though. It's Princess Cruises has a great cruise product and theirs is a seven day, they have a seven day inside passage itinerary that visits Glacier Bay National Park and those rates start at $699 a person. Now all of these prices are for the 2020 season. Um, but it gives you an idea of the, the contrast in prices, but yeah, I mean, you do, you can get up past $10,000 a person easily, easily. Um, and then, you know, there, there are other options such as uncruise, uncruise adventures. I really like uncruises product and it's a small ship. It's a little bit more rugged than what you might uh, be used to when looking at cruises, but you know, you're looking at less than a hundred passengers, but they have incredible excursions. And I remember I was doing an interview with Dan Blanchard from Uncruise and, mm-hmm. um, that's in the backlog of my podcast. If someone wants to go find it, well, um, put it in the, sh- give it to me. Yeah, we'll put it in the show notes okay, because great. I am they, interested in that sort of thing. Like Uncruise kayak. Yeah. Oh, kayak yeah. in Alaska. And he said, you know what you're thinking? Kai, I know what you're thinking. Kayaking in Alaska and actually other cruise lines do that as well. But kayaking, paddleboarding, and snorkeling on cruise. We'll do snorkeling in Alaska. I was going to say, I planned an Alaska cruise for a honeymoon and couple, and they were like, we want to do snorkeling. And and that was the first Alaska cruise I had planned. And I said, honestly, guys, I don't know if I'm going to find it. And I did. And I found lots of options, really great options. So it can happen. And they had a blast. They had a blast. So so it's just, I think that, I think that the main advice that I have for people when they're booking cruises like this is yes, look at the itinerary, look at the duration, look at the ports of call. But first and foremost, look at the cruise lines and, and think about what you want. Do you want that butler service that I mentioned? You know, do you want an emphasis on dining? Do you want your shore excursions included? You know, what are you going to prioritize on that sailing and then kind of figuring it out that way? Because Mm -hmm. the ports of call are always pretty much the same. I mean, there are only so many places that ships can go. Of course, smaller ships can get into different ports and Mm -hmm. larger ships are a little bit more limited. But I mean, there are only, of course, you're going to, you're going to go to similar ports of call on, on the same itineraries because there are just big names that everyone wants to go to. Right, right, right. So then let's just move to like a little bit of a thought experiment. Like we'll just kind of rapid fire some questions and you can just give me some answers on top of your head. Um, you know, yeah, we'll just do it like that. So here I go. Um, so let's talk luxury liners or clients that want high end comfort. Who is the cruise line that comes right to your mind? Silver Sea and Seaborn. 
Okay. What about access um, as far as, you know, boats capable of navigating through Alaskan waters? And I guess that, you know, we've kind of answered this a little bit, but. Yeah. As I mentioned, it just depends on where you want to go. You have the smaller ships that can get into smaller ports. You have the larger ships who are going to go to the more uh, mainstream ports of call. So I would say that, you know, uncruise is good if you want to kind of go off the beaten path or mm-hmm. Silver Sea or Seaborne, a smaller ship that you can get into those those different ports. Great. Okay. Best cruise line for maybe families? Uh, Disney. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. Okay. If someone couldn't afford Disney, what's your next tier? Um, Holland America Line or Princess, maybe? Okay. Cool. Maybe not Holland America Line, Princess. Yeah, I would say for families, princess. We've done princess and th- just as far as like childcare, if you want it, great yep. programming. Yeah. Okay. Who does the best Alaskan seafood experience? They all, they all do it and they all do it so differently. I know that this is supposed to be rapid fire, but it's just so hard to, you know, everyone, celebrity does a great uh, seafood experience on board. And then of course, with the more luxury products where you just have these wonderful dining experiences, those are going to be great as well. I think Princess has a great all around Alaska product. And a lot of people will agree that Princess and Holland America Line are kind of those two mainstream cruise lines that you go to for that quintessential classic Alaska cruise experience. Yeah. And I've even seen, I think it was Princess that might have done even like, you know, kind of as an as a uh, excursion, you get off the port and there is just people like grilling seafood right there. Like it's just, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that was them. Okay. Well, beyond talking food, who has, um, you know, best excursions offered by the cruise line that can be purchased through the cruise line? I think that those expedition cruises on Silver Sea, Seabourn, Lindblad, Hurdy-Gruden, those are going to be the best excursions. Okay. Um, but then again, Princess and Holland, I think that if you're looking for a more mainstream experience, those two are, I'm going to keep coming back to those. Perfect. Okay. Who, who has the cutest sled dogs? I saw this question and I <laughs> am very offended that you are asking me to put Who has the cutest dogs. sled cats? I know you're a cat owner. <laughs> I'm, I also have dogs, but I cannot put any dog over another except mine because he's the best. I and know. I have two, but. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Any of those, um, any of those itineraries that have the sled dogs, I'm just like, oh my gosh, my kids, we would be coming home with a dog. They would find a way to smuggle one. That's just yeah. how that would go. Um, but anyway, I digress. So, you know, why do Brits insist on saying sledge rather than sled? When it comes well, to sledding. I think that you're more well-equipped to answer that question than I am, but I did research it a little bit. Oh, you did? <laughs> yes, I did. Um, it, and really, I didn't get an answer, but a sledge is something that's metal, that's going to be more substantial, that you're going to maybe be pulled on by a dog. And a sled is like the little plastic thing that you take down a hill. Oh, that's interesting. That was I was finding. just... I can't believe you researched that. I was just, you know, making light, but that's good. Good information to know. (laughs) So what time of year should you cruise to Alaska? What's the typical season? Well, it's a short season. So you're really looking at summer months. Um, Some people start going a little bit earlier in the year and a little bit later into the year. But I think that, you know, the best time to cruise Alaska, and I'm going to put the Baltic in there as well, is definitely June because Mm. you get those really long days. And I just think that that's really, really magical. 
Yeah, that, I mean, I've experienced the long days because of living in, in England and then traveling up to Scotland, which is even further north. And it was like June or July of this year and we were in Scotland and it was 1030 and it was still like dusk. So, oh, absolutely. I spent so many summers in Sweden and just having those days where it's like you go into the club and then you leave the club and it's light when you go in. And when you <laughs> That's so, it's so weird to me. Yeah. But I mean, a bonfire on the beach then? Cool. Really yeah, cool. Absolutely. Oh gosh. Okay. Well then let's, uh, let's, do you have a quick tip for cruisers to Alaska or maybe the Baltic? Someone want, that wants to do one of these cooler climate cruises? Go in June. Okay. Boom. <laughs> and actually a really good tip that I learned for doing these cruises is to take command hooks with you. Oh. And maybe a, a, if a cruise line is listening, don't, Yell at me if your walls are getting messed up by people doing this. Don't rain on my parade. Because you can take those <laughs> command hooks and you can hang up your hats and you can hang up your coats on them so that you're not taking up all of that closet space. Yeah. Now, um, what I do is I bought these super strong magnetic hooks mm-hmm. and we use those, um, which, you know, you get about one jacket a piece, right? Like you're not going to load these things up, but everything in the ship is metallic. So you can stick and those some, suckers everywhere. And some of the cruise, yeah, that's actually a great idea. Some of the cruise lines, especially these expedition cruises, will provide parkas for you so that you actually don't have to pack a jacket in any way. Which is great because that's like an entire suitcase. Mm-hmm. So, okay, cool. Well, that was yeah, everything. And the last thing you want to do is wear a down jacket on the plane. Oh my gosh. In well, June when you're leaving North Carolina. Oh my gosh. Or I know. <laughs> You know, I'm in, I'm from North Carolina. I could not wear a down jacket in June. Well, I we we had um we had our backpacks on. We backpacked through Europe last Christmas, and we had I had my down jacket, which I call Big Purple because it's ridiculous. It's like 600 down fill or whatever, mm-hmm. and I had on. And we were we had to go keep going down into the London Underground, so we were like two levels deep or something, where the air is not really circulating. And so though it's like minus whatever upstairs, it's like 95 degrees and we've got our hiking packs on, you know, and like, it was crazy. So yeah, I, I feel for you. I mean, I feel for, I get it. Okay. Buy a jacket in Alaska or buy a jacket in San Francisco or Seattle, wherever your cruise is leaving from, and then donate it on the way home is a good tip as well. Oh my gosh. That is a good tip. That's yep. really useful. Okay, good. Helen Mirren, I think was the one that I, no, no, no. Samantha Brown was the one that I learned that tip from. Yeah, and she also said something like, um, same thing with, like, uh, your, your shoes or your hiking boots. Like, if you yep. don't love them, like, let that, and you want to make room for your souvenirs. She said, you know, plan on donating your shoes on the way out or something yep. like that. Or, well, she also said, if you don't love them, toss them. But, that um, was the tip that she gave me on the podcast that I did with her was just oh, donate cool. what you don't use. Nice. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And, uh, yes, aren't we all trying to declutter? And there's people that could use our things. So that's wonderful. All right. Well, that's everything that I was milling around in my head on the, on the theme of adventure or expedition versus traditional cruising. Uh, so I thank you so much for your time and I encourage everybody to pop over to Avid Travel and listen to her podcast um, because we've got great information, especially if you're like new to the travel planning uh, industry. You can pick up some great tips there and, you know, walk your dog or, or your, your cat, whatever it may be. Um, at, while you learn uh, in a in a non-traditional format. So there you go. That's my plug for you. And I thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you so much, Megan. All right. This is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye-bye. 
You're listening to a Trav Market Media Network podcast, a podcast designed for you, the travel professional. Is there something you would like to hear or do you have feedback? Please write to us at podcasts at travmarketmedia.com. Again, that's podcasts with an S at travmarketmedia.com.